Jesus' name, so glad to see everyone here in God's house, our children's ministry, of course, downstairs, having a, a great time. Whether you're joining us online or you're joining us here as a guest in person, we welcome you, and uh, we're so glad that you're here. Good to have our friend and my neighbor, uh, Amber, here tonight, again, back with us, and good to see everyone here, all the guests here tonight. You can be seated, and we are starting a new series tonight. We're starting a new series here tonight, um, and I, I'm getting a message. I think the computer has uh, locked up on us, so uh, we'll they'll catch up on the screens here. In a, aren't, don't you love technology? <laughs> Look, speaking of technology, uh, those home folk here, you know that I, I preach and teach with a timer up here. Just, I mean, that doesn't make me go any shorter. It just lets me know how long I've gone. No, really, it does help. Um, but uh, I updated the app, and for some reason, all of the, uh, the, the language is updated to Chinese, and there's no way to put it back in English. So the numbers are still in English, so I know that I've, uh, you know, I know it's been a minute and 53 seconds since I had you sit down and we moved from the offering, but uh, the number, everything else is in Chinese, and there's no way to fix it. So some glitch with the, the Apple update. <laughs> Thank God for technology. So if I go over, if I if I if I mess up or you know go way too long, then you can just uh, chalk it up to the fact that Pastor's instructions on his timer are in Chinese, and I don't read Chinese. In fact, I don't even speak Chinese. So uh, that's that's that. So we're going to start a new series tonight, and this series is going to be a series on prayer. Everybody say prayer. prayer. And. It's going to be a series on prayer that specifically looks at prayers that heaven hears. So I'm going to be teaching this series starting this night, uh, starting tonight, uh, called My Prayer. Everybody say My Prayer. My Prayer, a series on prayers that heaven hears. We all want heaven to hear our prayers, right? We all want the Lord to hear our prayers and our cries to him. We want heaven to not just hear our prayers, but we want heaven to respond to our prayers. And so this first of these three lessons, these lessons and this series will take us through the remainder of the month of May, all the way through the last Wednesday of the month, and then we will start something fresh in June, Lord willing. But uh, in, in this series, in this first lesson, I'm going to talk to you about my prayer prepared. Everybody say prepared. So we want to prepare ourselves to pray prayers that heaven will hear. And preparation is a biblical component of a prayer life. Preparation is a biblical component of effective prayers. So I'm going to talk tonight and, and teach tonight from just some foundational thoughts and scriptural principles on the subject of prayer. Now, for those of you that have a very rich prayer life and a very faithful and consistent prayer life, a lot of this will just be encouragement and reminder for you, but I pray some of it challenges you as well. 
For those of you that may struggle in your prayer life or with your spiritual disciplines or maybe they have become all discipline and no relation, uh, then I pray that this series and I pray that this lesson tonight challenges you and encourages you and provokes you to change your approach to prayer. Everybody say, my prayer, my prayer. should be prepared. So let's launch into this tonight. What is prayer? Prayer, very simply put, is communication with God. It's not a formula, but it is personal and private conversation with God that develops and deepens my relationship with Him. Now, prayer can be a discipline, but it must become relational for it to be effective. Prayer is life-changing. Prayer is life creating it is the vehicle of spiritual life in fact for the born-again disciple of Jesus Christ for every disciple of Christ that has been filled with his spirit prayer is like the spiritual air that you breathe prayer is literally like your spiritual oxygen it's oxygen to your spirit man and so to not pray is to suffer a slow painful death of spiritual asphyxiation to not pray is to deprive your spiritual man of the breath that it needs of the spirit if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ prayer should never be your last resort prayer should always be your first resource Prayer should not be what you turn to when everything else has failed. We used to sing that song, when you tried everything and everything has failed, try Jesus. Uh, that's a song for unbelievers and sinners. But for people who know Jesus, prayer should never be the last thing that you turn to. It's not my last resort, it's my first resource. It's what I first turn to. And the power of prayer is this, that I can pray here and God will work there I can pray over here and God will move over there wherever here is and no matter where there is the power of prayer is that I can pray right here and God can move and work in a way that I do not even see somewhere entirely different that is the power of prayer William Carey said this prayer secret fervent believing prayer lies at the root of all personal godliness. You cannot be godly without prayer. You cannot be righteous without prayer. You can't grow in your relationship with God without prayer. Prayer. Not my ideas, my thoughts, but as we'll talk about more in a minute, His ideas, His will. His thoughts. Prayer is not superimposing my will on God. Prayer is not a vehicle by which I push my will on God and I say, God, now this is my list and this is what I need. Prayer is praying not my will, but His will be done. Prayer is saying, Lord, let my life be in alignment with Your determined will. Let me be in a position for Your will. The Bible says in Acts chapter 12, it's a, it's a perfect breakdown of, of the purpose of prayer and how prayer works. And I'm not going to, to break this scripture out, but perhaps we'll teach from it alone at another time. But Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, it says, Peter therefore was kept in the prison, but prayer was made. 
without ceasing of the church unto God for him. For all you Bible study teachers, there's your Bible study right there. For all any teachers, preachers, Sunday school teachers, that, that's, that's it right there. There's your four-point message or lesson right there. Prayer was made without ceasing by the church unto God for him. It tells what was done. It tells how it was done. It tells who did it, who it was directed to, and who was the benefactor of the praying. They prayed to God by the church. If you're part of the church, you ought to pray. If you are a part of the church, you ought to pray. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But we understand that we are also, that not only is this his house, but you physically ought to be his house as well. And one is not in competition with the other. One does not replace or negate the need for the other. They're both necessary and they're both biblical in the New Testament economy of God's word. But the idea is that I can't just let this building be a house of prayer. I've got to be a house of prayer everywhere that I go. Prayer has the power to change things. And sometimes the thing that needs to be changed is me. Prayer is where I get my priorities aligned with his will and his word. Every elder that's ever had great spiritual influence in my life, all of them, without fail, have had a walk with God and a deep spiritual prayer life. And all of them shared the common view that prayer was an essential element of their life. Prayer was an essential element of their life, relationship with God, and their spiritual growth. That, that nothing got away, got in the way of their prayer time. In fact, many of them would schedule their prayer time. I would encourage you to schedule your prayer time. And don't let anything get in the way of your scheduled prayer time. If you were scheduled to meet with the governor or the mayor or a state representative, or if you were scheduled to meet with the president, you would not be late or blow off that schedule. Brothers and sisters, we have a daily scheduled appointment with the creator of all heaven and earth. He's not, he's never one day stooped low enough to be a president. He is the creator and savior of all humanity. And we have a daily appointment with him. That's my time in prayer. Now, I, I know we, we don't always do this perfectly. I know sometimes we slip up and we don't pray or we go through seasons of less prayer or seasons of even, God forbid, prayerlessness. But we cannot give up. Our lives are so chaotic and disordered sometimes. And I'm, I'm teaching tonight that in, when it comes to prayer, we have to continue to press order into the disorder of our life. We have to continue to press order into the disorganized areas of our life. If we're so disordered and disorganized that we don't have time to pray or read our Bible or come to church faithfully, then we have to press order into those areas of our life. We are charged by God to press order. It's, ne it's never going to be perfect. You're never going to have a perfect uh, uh, life. You're never going to have a perfect set of spiritual disciplines. Uh, but it is a constant process of pressing God's will and God's way 
into my life. And the great thing is, I don't care who you are, anybody can pray like this. Everybody can pray like this. Every single one of us can have a prayer life like this. It is not impossible. Newsflash, never one time in God's word has he mandated that you and I do something impossible. He does command us to do what is possible for us. And when I do what is possible for me, I release him to do the impossible things that I cannot do in my life. That happens through prayer. Can I say that again? Uh, uh, prayer is where I, I release God to do the impossible in my life. God has never demanded that we do impossible things. But God does demand that I do, and I faithfully discharge my duties to do the things I can do, the possible things that is set a daily time of prayer and a daily uh, of discipline of talking to God. And if I'll do the possible things, God will step in and do the impossible things. Uh, I will release him to do what I cannot do for myself. My prayers prepared. Luke chapter 18, then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not faint. Or men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Jesus said we ought to be in a mind and a spirit of prayer that is a continual spirit of prayer. So I want to bring out several scriptural points. And if you're taking notes, I'm going to throw a lot of scriptures at you. Uh, thank God the computer came back on, and so they'll be on the screen as, as well. And, and aren't, aren't we thankful for our media team? They do a great job. And I can, I've got to confess, I've, I've at times watched, even in the last six months, I've watched uh, portions of services from uh, some of the, the biggest and, and uh, most just well put together churches in the apostolic faith and I've watched some of their services have little glitches and hiccups and their web stream cut out and I thought it's not just us <laughs> thank God that technology is technology everywhere Jesus in his word tells us that we should pray always and not lose heart but there's a few other commandments that help us prepare for our prayer. That help us be prepared to be the praying disciple that God wants us to be. The first is that we are to pray with our whole heart. We are to prepare to pray with our whole heart. Jeremiah 29, 11, the Lord gives this great word of encouragement. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, and, and many have quoted this and applied this to their life. And there's nothing wrong with that. Says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, thoughts to give you a future and a hope. Then, you know, typically we stop with verse 11, but he says, then you will call on me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me. How? With your whole heart. God is expecting us to pray. He's expecting us to search after him with our whole heart, not a part of us, not a piece or compartmentalized portion of our life, but he wants us to go after him with our whole heart. The, the psalmist would say in 119, in two verses, he said, I entreated your favor with my whole heart. 
be merciful me, uh, unto me according to your word. And then just about 95 verses later in that same chapter, he said, I cry out with my, there it is again, whole heart. Hear me, O God, and I will keep your statutes. David and the prophet Jeremiah are letting us know through the word of God that the way to prepare to pray is with our whole heart. That means for us in 2022 that if you're going to pray with your whole heart, your whole focus, your whole self, some I've heard people say, well, I just kind of do the prayer without ceasing. I just kind of walk around in a spirit of prayer, and so I don't really ever have a set time of prayer. I just have, you know, I kind of walk around in a spirit of prayer. Again, those commandments of Scripture are not in competition. The Word of God never competes with itself. But one scripture complements another scripture. And so the idea of prayer without ceasing, yes, as a believer, I should be in a constant state walking in the spirit and be in a mind of prayer. But that doesn't negate the fact that I should have a specified time and place where I'm going to pray and talk to God every single day. And if I'm going to do that with my whole heart, I can't be distracted. That might mean you need to turn your cell phone off during that time. That might... That might, need, uh, that might mean you need to turn the phone off. That might uh, mean you need to turn the TV off or whatever it is that might distract you and focus some time in prayer. Focus some time where you can give God your whole heart in prayer. He doesn't want a part of you. He wants your whole heart. And then the scripture would also say that another way I prepare myself to pray is that I come before God with a true heart. Everybody say a true heart. <laughs> Hebrews and, and chapter 10 and verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with water. Powerful verse that I don't have the time to fully dissect here tonight. But he says, let us draw near to God with a true heart. What is a true heart? It, it's a pure heart. It, it's a true heart that has been washed, sprinkled. That, that's a reference to the blood of Jesus, sprinkled uh, with the blood of Jesus, washed with water. Washed with water how? In the waters of baptism. A true heart is a, is a heart that has been sprinkled with his blood, that has been washed in the waters of baptism. Hebrews chapter 9 would, would let us know that the blood of animal sacrifices that this is referencing, this chapter is referencing in the Old Testament, the blood of animal sacrifices would not uh, fully obtain uh, forgiveness for our sins or remission of our sins. In fact, Hebrews says that they would only purify the flesh. But the blood of Jesus that was shed, it purifies the heart, it purifies the conscience, it purifies the flesh, it purifies everything in between. And so that's how I come before God in prayer, how I prepare to pray with a true heart. Uh, if you have never been, uh, if you've never repented of your sins, you've never been forgiven of your sins, if you've never been washed in the waters of baptism, you, you ought to be obedient to scripture tonight and say, Lord, I want you to wash me with your shed blood. I want that blood to be applied to my life so that I can have a true heart of prayer before you. It's that that produces a true heart. A true heart. Scripture also lets us know that as we're preparing ourselves, as 
my prayers are being prepared, that I should come before him with a prepared heart, with preparation of heart. Job 11. Now, his friend is, is Zophar is, is challenging him incorrectly. He's, he's uh, telling him that he's got to get all this sin and all this junk and all this stuff out of his life. But, of course, we know Job didn't have all of that. But the principle is true nonetheless. And the principle is stated in verse 13. If you would prepare your heart and stretch your hands toward him, then the Lord will hear you. But what I understand from this verse is that if I'm going to stretch my hands toward him, I ought to prepare. Now, preparation indicates time. Preparation indicates some effort. Preparation indicates some energy is spent. Preparation indicates that there's some intentionality involved. Can I tell you, you're never just going to accidentally pray. You're never just going to wake up and say, oh my goodness, I, I didn't even plan on praying today and I just prayed for two hours. You're never going to accidentally pray. My, my fleshly man will never migrate to the things of the Spirit. I will always migrate towards carnal and fleshly things. You're going to have to prepare to pray. You're going to have to put in some preparation. I thank God for all the preparation that our teams put into to Sunday services and Wednesday Bible studies. But we've got to add, we've got to make sure that prayer is always a part of that preparation. Because on our best day, every note played perfect, every note sung with accuracy and, and intentionality and every ministry on point and everything in the building just right and every greeter and usher and everything just exactly as it ought to be, all of that stuff alone cannot change a life. It cannot set a drug addict free. It can't change a human heart. It can't change a human will. And so I've got to add some prayerful preparation as well. I've got to say, Lord, now baptize us with your spirit and let us do your will. Let us do your purpose in this thing. We've got to pray with preparation of heart. How do we pray? We pray according to 1 Corinthians with spirit and understanding. 1 Corinthians 14, 15, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. And some have misinterpreted this verse. And again, like the verse in Hebrews, I'm not going to take time to fully dissect this and teach a lesson on tongues tonight. But some have misinterpreted this verse that there is not a need to pray in tongues or there's nothing to praying in tongues. Some would even, on an extreme case, say you should not pray in tongues. Again, the scriptures are not in competition with one another. They complete each other. There's not any contradiction in them. So praying in tongues is the blessing and the privilege of every born-again believer, every born-again saint of God. We are to pray in the Spirit, but we are also to pray with 
understanding, which would be uh, very simply put in our native language. If you most here are English speakers, there might be some that speak other languages. We've got some Spanish speakers. We've got some that maybe, maybe you dabble in another language here or there. But we ought to pray with understanding, in other words, in our native language. But we also ought to pray in the spiritual language or the language of tongues as the spirit prompts us. Again, they're not in competition. You don't have to pick one or the other. You can have both. In God's economy, you can have your cake and eat it too. There have been times when I've been praying under the anointing and the unction of the Holy Ghost and the Spirit has led my prayers and, and I have prayed with other gifts and, and there's been the gift of knowledge and the gift of wisdom and the gift of faith and even perhaps at times the gift of prophecy and those, those, those prayers have been Spirit led but I may or may not have ever prayed in tongues during that specific time but then there have been times I've prayed under that same unction and that same anointing and that same passion and it was so strong that I began to pray in tongues I began to pray in the spirit and the impact of those prayers was very real and it was tangible it was incredible and 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 what God did through those prayers was was very real so they're not in competition we need to be led in our prayers as we're praying just like I'm talking to you in English. You need to pray in prayers that you can understand and prayers that you can articulate. But you also ought to pray once in a while in the Spirit. You ought to pray to a place where the Spirit takes over and the Spirit takes control. My, my, my simple logic here with this, and every analogy breaks down at some point, but my, my simple logic and and analogy for this would be you don't have to get wet in the river to follow the river. You don't have to get wet for the river to lead you, but if you're going to really get in the river, you're going to get wet. And so we want to be led of the Spirit. We want to follow the leading of the Spirit, but, but we want to get in the river too. We want to get wet too. We want the Spirit to wash us, and we want His Spirit to speak through us as we are praying. I'm telling you that you don't have to pray exclusively in tongues, but it's all right to, and you should pray in tongues once in a while, but you ought to be praying. The reality is there's, now I'm going to make a brash statement here and certain to offend someone, but in my estimation and opinion, there's probably no one person in this building right now that is so spiritual that every time you get down to pray, you just, boom, instant rapture, and you're talking in tongues. In fact, I'll make another offensive statement, perhaps, and that is if you say, oh, no, pastor, that's me, you're probably either delusional or lying, neither of which are very good. The reality is, <laughs> is everybody okay? There's, the reality is, uh, I don't always want to pray. The reality is, Sometimes I pray and I don't feel a whole lot. And sometimes I pray and it's more of a discipline that keeps me in my prayer. And that's okay. That's okay. Anybody work a job? Have there been days you're excited to go to work? Hopefully. Have there been days you didn't want to go to work? 
but the discipline kept you employed because <laughs> you went to work anyway. And so the times I don't feel like praying, that's where the discipline kicks in and I do what I don't feel like doing and that continues to develop and deepen my relationship with God. We've got to pray with understanding in those times. I need to pray. Scripture tells me that if I'm preparing my prayer, I need to prepare to pray with a confidence in God. With a confidence in God. 1 John 5, 14 says this. Now this is the confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. This is the confidence we have. The, the confident assurance. The complete assurance that he I have confidence that he is going to hear me Psalm chapter 56 and verse 9 when I cry out to you the psalmist said then my enemies will turn back this I know because God is for me he didn't say I hope the enemies are going to turn back and I'm 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 hoping that God's going to hear me he said this I know I know that God is going to hear me. And I know my prayer is going to have a result. My prayer is going to have an impact. You, you prepare to pray with confidence in God. If you don't think anything's going to happen, you might not ever pray. You've got to have a confidence that God's going to hear your prayer. Psalm 86 and verse 7, in the day of trouble, I will call upon you, for you will answer me. He said two things there, I will call and he will answer. And I'm telling you, if you call, he will answer. It may not always be the answer you want, but if you talk to him, he will hear your prayer and he will answer. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You ought to confidently come before God in your prayer. Come before him with absolute confidence, with boldness, as the writer of Hebrews says, that he is going to hear your prayer and your prayer is going to have a real impact. That's the power of confidence in your prayer. The confidence that I have in my prayer, it should be noted. The confidence is not in the words I'm praying, but the God that I'm praying them to. Confidence in prayer doesn't mean I am so confident in my own spirituality or my, my manipulation of the English language as I'm talking to God. Confidence in prayer is an assurance, a confidence in him who I'm praying to. Confidence says that even like in the old patriarch who said, you know what, I, I'm commanding the sun to stand still, not even realizing that it wasn't the sun that was moving. It was the earth that was moving around the sun. But confidence was, even though he didn't have the right words in English to say or the right scientific knowledge to pray, he had confidence that when he prayed, God would hear his prayer, and not because of his English language, not because of his Hebrew language, not because of your native language, but because there's a God that's ready to hear prayer. We don't just pray with confidence. Again, these truths of God's word are not in competition, but they complement and they complete one another. But when we prepare to pray, 
a prayerful person, a person with a true walk with God, a, a spiritual person, is a humble person. When we pray, we should pray with humility. Not beating our chest like the Pharisees. Oh, letting everybody know. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with praying out loud. But if you're praying so everybody else sees you, if you're praying just so you can mark it off the list, if you're praying just so you can tell somebody that you prayed, you might be praying for the wrong reasons. But prayer should be with humility. Second Chronicles, if my people, which are called by my name, shall what? Humble themselves. If we will humble ourselves. It doesn't say that he's going to humble us. But we have to willfully choose to humble ourselves before God. And if I will humble myself, then he will hear my prayers. Then he's going to respond to us. Humility is an inseparable component of prayers that heaven hears. You And you'll hear this again later on in the series. But you cannot pray effective prayers without humility. Humility that recognizes that I am nothing and he is everything. Humility that recognizes that my righteousness at best is like filthy, old, smelly, mildew-infested dish rags in his sight. That's me on my best day. That's you on your best day. Humility in that I need him. Humility that says, you know what? You may have served God for your entire life. You may, you may think you came out of the womb talking in tongues. You may say, my parents and my grandparents walked in truth and lived for God and served in the kingdom. And you may have stories to tell of fabulous heritage of faith in your family. But you still don't deserve the blessings and the benefits of God in your life. And so therefore, when I pray, I come humbly before him. Second Chronicles, Manasseh was restored after this prayer of humility. Now when he was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. He humbled himself. Now he was in great affliction when this happens. And I said earlier that you have to humble yourself. But if you don't humble yourself, God knows how to humble you. Just ask Jonah. God knows how to get your attention. God knows how to humble you. Be very, very wary of any prideful spirit that may try to attach itself to your heart. God knows how to get your attention. God knows how to humble you. And sometimes it comes when you're least expecting it. <laughs> Anybody ever been walking fa too fast up the stairs and face planted? Anybody ever done that in front of people? <laughs> you get up, you're hurting, you look to see if anybody's watching you, right? And if you're like my wife, you can't, you have uncontrollable laughter when you witness something like that happen. 
my leg could be broken in 13 and a half places. And she would laugh <laughs> because it's funny to her when somebody falls. <laughs> but and some of you are laughing because you're the same way. You think it's funny. And, and it is funny until it happens to you and you hit your shin. And then you want to lay hands on the people that are laughing at you. But if that can happen in the natural that quick, God knows how to spiritually humble you. God knows how to spiritually spoil your palaces, if you will. We've got to be careful that we walk humbly before God. The psalmist said in 10 and 17, Lord, you have heard the desire of what? The humble. You will prepare their heart and you will cause your ear to hear. God hears the desire of the humble, not the haughty. God hears the desire of the humble, not the haughty. God hears the desire of those that realize they need God, not those that got life figured out and pretty good on their own. God hears the desire of the humble. I don't know about you, but I want to come humbly before him. We pray. We prepare ourselves to pray with sincerity and persistence. James chapter 5 verse 16, confess your trespasses. Or the King James says your faults one to another. And pray one for another that you may be healed. I said last Wednesday night when we were closing out that series, Disconnected, that it takes spirituality to restore. The Bible says you which are who are spiritual, restore. Now we know that restoration cannot happen without repentance. That's, that's a, a, a foredrawn conclusion. We understand that in Scripture. There cannot be restoration without true humility and repentance. But when someone humbles themselves and repents, it involves confession. The body of Christ ought to be a safe place. The church ought to be, I preached a couple Sundays ago about the sanctuary of second chances. The, the, the church ought to be a safe place. It ought to be a forgiving place. It ought to be a restoring and restorative place. And this church, I thank God, is a restorative church. But it involves confession. It involves, confession denotes honesty. You can't lie and be restored. You can't hide and be restored. You can't pretend and be restored. You've got to repent and confess to be restored that you may be healed. And then the effectual or the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then he goes on to say that Elijah was a man with like nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. What the scripture is letting us know is that we should pray with sincerity and we should pray with persistence. We should pray with sincerity and we should pray with persistence. Jacob understood this when he wrestled with the angel in Genesis 32. He said, the angel said, let me go for the day breaks. And he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I am not going to let you go go. That's persistence. That's sincerity. Luke chapter 11, uh, talking about a friend that shows up at midnight. Don't show up at my house at midnight. But if you got friends that want to show up at midnight, that's between you and them. He said this friend shows up at midnight and, and just won't go away and won't quit knocking. And 
He said, I say unto you, though he will not rise to give to him because he's his friend, yet because of his persistence, because he won't go away, he's going to rise and he's going to attend to his friend's need at the front door, even if it's after midnight. And then the verse goes on to say, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. This is, this is a, an elevated progression of activity. Ask. Seek, knock. It's an elevated level of hunger. It's a sliding scale of persistent desire. And if you're going to prepare to pray, you got to prepare that sometimes you're going to need to pray with persistence. And all the time, you're going to need to pray with sincerity. Sometimes you're going to knock on heaven's door and God's going to answer quickly. But sometimes he's not going to answer quickly. Sometimes it's going to be a long time. And you're going to have to have some persistence kick in to keep on praying. When I pray, when I prepare to pray, I'm not just preparing with sincerity and persistence, not just humility, but I'm also preparing to pray with an attitude of submission to God, an attitude of submission that says, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. He said in Luke Chapter 11, verse 2, he said, when you pray, say, our Father. He's given us this model prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. This model prayer. Hallowed be your name. And then here it is. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As Brother Woodward so eloquently taught and preached when he was here. Submission is is bringing, it, it's sub, it's under, it's putting my mission under another mission. Submission is my mission, is sub, like a submarine, sub, it denotes something that goes below, that prefix is something that, that goes beneath or goes below. Submission is putting my mission subjected to his mission. Newsflash, your mission is not equal to his mission. Newsflash, your ideas are not equal to his ideas. Until I learn to pray with submission, where I put my idea, my way, my thoughts, underneath his purpose in my life, God cannot hear my prayers. I must prepare to pray with submission. I've got to pray with Submission. I, I talked about submission briefly a couple of weeks ago. Submission is something that will benefit you in every area of your life. If you're prideful and arrogant and have never learned to truly submit to authority in your life, it causes you problems everywhere. You'll have conflicts everywhere with your, in your life. Some people say, well, I just won't submit to him or I just won't submit to her. No, you got a problem in your own heart, in your own mind. And I guarantee if we followed you around for a month, we'd find several people that you won't submit to, that you should submit to. Submission is like giving. It's a principle of God's economy that when I get it and when it clicks, it touches every area of my life. But until I get it and until it clicks, it still touches every area of my life. The purpose of prayer is not superimposing my will on God. It's not saying, Lord, I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray until you do exactly what I want. Sure. 
Now we know there are some things that are expressly spelled out in Scripture that are His will. It's His will that none should perish. It's His will that marriages last. It's His will that, that, that healing come to heart. It's His will that addictions be broken. It's His will that I submit to Him. Those things are, are, are very... But when it comes to the details of my life, when it comes to the details of my decision making, I've got to pray not my will, but His will be done. The purpose of praying is not to get God to do my will. The purpose of praying is to get me in submission and alignment to His will. And the purity of a submitted prayer is revealed just like natural submission is revealed. You, you never find out if you're truly submitted to a leader in your life until you disagree with them. You never find out if you're truly submitted to your boss until you adamantly disagree with them. And how you handle that reveals whether you're truly submitted or not. How you handle disagreement with spiritual authority in your life tells whether you're really submitted or not. And how I handle when God doesn't do it my way reveals whether I'm truly submitted or not. The purity of the not my will, but thy. Now, that's easy to pray. That's easy to say. That's easy for those words to be formed in my mouth. It's harder to live. Lord, not my will, but thine be done. But then I'm going to get mad and get an attitude when he chooses something else that wasn't my way. The purity of your submission in prayer is only revealed when God does it a different way. When God does something different than what you would have chose or what you would have wanted. But it's how I behave. Some people that don't get submission, they pout, they get mad, they get angry, they fly off, they end up doing things their way anyway. And that's sometimes how I do in my spiritual life when God doesn't do it my way. If I am not truly submitted in my prayer to God, praying, God, not my will, but your will be done. How do you behave when God doesn't do it your way? Do you get mad? Do you refuse? Do you just pray harder? No, I'm going to pray. I'm going to twist God's arm. You can't twist God's arm. What I need to do is submit myself and say, Lord, whether you give it to me my way or not, I am going to pray your will be done. In prayer, when, what true submission is in prayer is when I make his priority my priority. When I bring my mission, my willfulness. Some people are just willful. They're just too, they're just too bullheaded. They're just too strong to, to submit to God or anybody for that matter. And so they, 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 I've got to bring my willfulness. I've got to bring my human nature. I've got to bring my male flesh. I've got to bring that into submission to his will and his priorities. That's what happens with prayer. Prayer is not my will, but his will be done. And then finally tonight, we pray with thanksgiving. We pray always with thanksgiving. Philippians says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Not talking about turkey dinners. That sounds good, though. Let your requests be made known unto God. Now, 
don't worry, be anxious for nothing. So quit worrying, quit worrying, quit worrying. Pastor, don't you ever struggle with worry? Yes. I'm talking to myself too. Quit worrying. We all do sometimes, some just more than others. Worry, consistent and persistent worry is evidence that you have really not given God control of your situation or life. Consistent and persistent worry is the evidence that I really can't take my hands, that I'm really not submitted. Because I'm still agonizing over something I can't even control. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, not some things, everything, with prayer and supplication. Supplication, you know what that's defined as? Asking humbly. Coming humbly before God with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. So I'm not just bringing God my grocery list. I'm not just bringing God my to-do list. I'm not just saying, God, this is what I need you to do. I'm coming with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, the scripture goes on to say, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. But it only comes when thanksgiving is an ingredient uh, in, in what you're cooking. In thanksgiving, it has to be an ingredient in your prayer for your prayer to be prepared correctly and to be heard by heaven. We've got to pray with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything give thanks. It doesn't say for everything, because there's some things that happen in my life that I am not thankful for, but I can be thankful in. There's sometimes I've got a gut punch in life. Sometimes life will knock the wind out of you. I'm not thankful. That's a misinterpretation of Scripture to say, I'm thankful for the gut punch. <laughs> Somebody comes up and slaps you. Thank you for slapping me. No, 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 that's a misinterpretation of Scripture. In everything, give thanks. I'm not thankful for bad things that happen. But I can be thankful in those seasons of life. I can be thankful in that uncertain season. I can be thankful in that tragedy. When something is going, what about when something's totally against the will of God? What about when a spouse loses their mind? What about when a loved one goes off the deep end in sin or severs a relationship with infidelity? I'm not thankful for that. But I don't have to lose my attitude of thankfulness in that. If there were things that should exclude my thanksgiving, God would have given them. But he didn't. He didn't say, here's the fine print and the exclusions. No, he said, in everything give thanks. In every situation. So tonight, whether you're in a mountaintop, whether you're mad, whether you're hurt, whether you're disappointed, or whether you just got the biggest uh, raise of your life and guess somebody dropped off a brand new car on your doorstep, gave you the keys, uh, and, and, and you just got the best news you've gotten in your entire last 10 years, uh, in every season of life, uh, don't lose your thanksgiving. Would you stand together with me? 
it literally is letting me know that we should be thankful in all circumstance for this is the will of God. The New Living Translation says for all of you who belong to Jesus. Anybody belong to Jesus? Anybody belong to him? Be thankful in all circumstances. That's the New Living Translation. Be thankful in all circumstances. That means when your boss chews you out. When the supplies are not there and they're supposed to be there and it's the third time the supplies are not there and you can't do the job and you just want to scream and you want to holler or when, when somebody talked about you at work and told a story that wasn't true and you get called in and the boss chews on your ear for it or when somebody falsely accuses you, when somebody does something to hurt you, when somebody disappoints you. In all circumstances, put that verse back up there in the New Living Translation, if you will. In all circumstances, don't lose my attitude of thankfulness. I ought to be able to come into his presence. I ought to be able to lift up my hands. I ought to be able to worship him. I ought to be able to have a thankful attitude. You want to know God's will? basic element of God's will for your life is that you be thankful in all things. If you belong to Jesus, be thankful in all things. That's how I prepare my prayer. That's how I prepare to come before God in prayer. The fact is I will never do what God wants me to do. I'll never be who God wants me to be without prayer. I'll never be the husband God wants me to be without prayer. I'll never be the pastor God wants me to be without prayer. I'll never be the father God wants me to be without prayer. I'll never be the man of God in integrity and righteousness and godliness that God wants me to be without prayer. I'll never be the effective disciple maker and witness that I need to be without prayer. Anything good that should be in my life will never be without prayer. Prayer. I can't do it on my own. Prayer is the dependence on God saying, Lord, I want your will and your way to rule and reign in my life. Would you lift up your voice right now all across this room? Somebody just talk to Jesus right now. Somebody lift up your voice and just point your prayer heavenward. Lord, God, make me a man of prayer. Pray that prayer. Lord, make me a man of prayer. Make me a woman of prayer. God, make me a person of prayer. God, I want to be, I don't want just to go to a church that is a house of prayer, but God, I want to be a house of prayer. God, I want to be righteous. I want to walk with you. I want your spirit to be in me. I want your will to be in me. I want your spirit to work through me. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would call us all to a place of prayer. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Deepen our prayer. Deepen our walk. God, strengthen our prayer. God, let us be a praying people. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I encourage you, I challenge you, before you go to bed tonight, decide what time you're praying tomorrow. Don't wake up and just wonder and let it happen. Before you go to bed tonight, put it down. Decide what time you're praying. If you don't have time, make time. It's really not a matter of time management. It's a matter of priorities. Because every one of us have time for the things we want to have time for. Kind of like finances. Every one of us have money for the things we want to have, we need to have money for. People find a way. They, we're really creative in America. We find a way to get things done. Let's be creative with our prayer approach. Find time. Make time. Write it on the calendar. Make a time. Set your alarm five minutes earlier, ten minutes earlier. Let's be people of 
prayer. Thank you for coming.